Matthew 7, 21, Jesus said, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth or does the will of my Father which is in heaven. We're just going to end with that one Scripture right now. And I will say to you this morning that it is absolutely imperative, essential, whatever, whatever word could be used to, to uh, emphasize that. It's absolutely needful for men to respond to God when He speaks. It's, it's not enough to say, Lord, Lord, but to do. It's not enough to say. Anybody can say. Okay? Anybody can say. You've heard the saying that talk is cheap. It's essential for men to respond to God when He is speaking to His Word. For example, for a lost man. It's essential not that he only hears the Gospel, but that he responds in his heart by faith to God's uh, drawing him to the Word of faith, which is not even in our mouth, the Bible says. It's, it's essential that the lost man responds and says yes to Christ. Yes to that Gospel message that Jesus died for my sins, that there's none righteous, no, not one. And I am one of those unrighteous men that's a sinner because all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And I understand it and I know it. And it's not enough to even stop there. But when God is speaking, to respond and say yes and surrender his or her life to the Lord. Surrender our lives to Christ. And so it's essential for saved men. And this is primarily what the message is going to be about this morning. It's needful. It's absolutely essential that you and I, as the, the redeemed of the Lord, respond to God that we act upon what the Lord is speaking to our hearts. That we act upon it. That we, that we do. That we move in the direction that God is leading us. When, when God speaks to us and we know that we've heard the Lord, we can always know we've heard from the Lord from His Word. Okay? And there's other ways God can speak to us by His Spirit, but that will always line up with the Word of God as well. But when we know what we know to be the will of God, you and I have to respond to that. What God is prompting you to. What God is leading you to. What God is commanding you to do or me to do. It's essential that we respond to that. I know this is a simple message, but uh, I think it would, it would mean light years to our Christianity, to our walk with God, if we would consistently as a pattern say amen to God when He speaks to our hearts and not amen with the nod of our head in agreement only, but an amen in our hearts that prompts us by faith to do what God is telling us to do. To say what He's telling us to say. To to uh, follow where He's leading us to follow. Not with a near nod of our head. Not with even a, merely a mental agreement that I agree this, that this is the will of God. I agree this is the Lord speaking to me. I agree this is truth. I agree it's needful for my life. We certainly have to do that. But we have to go beyond that toward the amen in, in agreement. And that's what the amen is like. So be it, Lord. That's what the amen is. So be it. When we say amen to something, uh, let it be so, Lord, in, in agreement with the Lord. It has to be an amen from our hearts. There's a heart, an amen of faith that moves us. Chris and Jenna talked Sunday school and Chris talked about how Christ was moved with compassion. You read it in the Bible. And there's something about His compassion that was more than just a hands-off at a distance pity. It was He was moved with compassion to do. He was moved with compassion for the multitudes that followed Him all day, listening to His Word. Most of them at some point later were going to cry out for His crucifixion. He knew that. But he, at that time, they were hungry and they'd been with them all day and there was no food. And they were out in a desert place and, and he was moved with compassion and wanted to feed them. Or he's moved with compassion because they're like sheep without a shepherd. And it, it moved him to do something and to do well. And the Bible says, but be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. We all know the scripture you've heard. Hundred sermons on it in your lifetime or Sunday school lessons on it, but that is an absolute fact. And the danger is in hearing and hearing and hearing and not doing. That's actually a danger. It's actually a danger. In one sense, I believe it would be far better not to hear 
than to hear all the time and just become callous to it and not respond. Because it's like a bunch of, of waxes build up over our ears and over our eyes we've closed and over our hearts as wax grows and it can't be touched and penetrated. It's almost impossible. God can do it. But it's that hearing and not doing. But if every time we heard we would do, I think our hearts would stay soft. It would be fresh. It would be exciting. It would be wonderful to walk with the Lord. I don't care if He's telling you one little thing. Go knock on your neighbor's door and hand him a trap. Or something major. Quit your job and I want you to go you know, to Africa to be a missionary. Whatever it is He's leading you to do, if we would respond by faith that walk with the Lord, it would all be um, exciting. It would be fresh. It would be like that fresh manna that came down every day from heaven. And they did, Moses didn't get tired of it. You know, the people that were un, that died in unbelief, they got sick of it. But Moses didn't get sick of it, or Joshua or Caleb. And that represents just the Lord's presence, His Word, His Spirit among us. And I think that the, one of the main problems is that we hear so much. And it's good to hear so much. But we have to be careful. Jesus said, take heed how you hear. And I've always thought that's a strange statement. There's other places that talk about what we hear and what we give heed to. Like we were talking about on Wednesday night's false doctrine and so forth. But in that scripture, Jesus said, take heed how you hear. Because it's important that we hear with faith. I need to hear with 100% believing what God tells me. And 100%, not 85% or 90, being on the, on the edge of my seat ready to respond to whatever He tells me to do. And there's a, a psalm, uh, one of the scriptures in the psalms where the psalmist says, uh, uh, all of our eyes are upon you and we're all, uh, your children like, I'm paraphrasing because I didn't think of the scripture just now, but all of the men wait upon you. It's like we're waiting upon God. And I just picture uh, a man that's got a well-trained dog, okay? It's like one of these military dogs or something like this, or a hunting dog or seeing eye dog or something that's really trained and really committed to its owner and master. And the dog is going to be attentive not to everybody else and everything else that's going on, but to that one who feeds him, you know, and trained him. His eyes are upon, and, and if he gets up to walk, the, the owner gets up to walk out of the door, the dog's going to follow. You know what I mean? They're just, they're tuned in to not themselves, but to this one. And that's kind of the picture I get from, from that psalm. We need to be ready to, to respond because you know that the world is filled with people, well-intentioned people, that never get around to doing. You know what I'm talking about? And I would say the church world, to a great extent, can be the same way. Even truly born-again people never get around to doing it. I saw this little thing, like a, a kind of like a Mardi Gras doubloon, a little wooden thing, and, uh, and it said... T-U-I-T. You've probably seen one of those before. T-U-I-T on one side. And I said, what is this? It's a round to it. Whenever I get around to it, you know, I'll do it. And uh, a lot of times we never get around to doing things. We're well-intentioned, and, but we don't uh, respond. We don't do what God's leading us to do. We hear sermon after sermon after sermon, and we're moved. <coughs> And we're moved to tears or we're moved to conviction or we're moved to uh, excitement or different things that God's moving us to. And then we don't take that next step on into the obedience to what God's leading us to do. I do believe, like I said earlier, that prayer is going to be the key to that. The altar time where you're getting there and you're saying, all right, God, I heard it. I believe it. I'm convicted of it. Now do it in me. And I'm not letting go until you do it in my life. And so... I'll just read this scripture from Jeremiah 8. It says, The harvest is past, the summer is ended, and we are not saved. It's like the time came and went, the time, and they still weren't where they should have been. They weren't saved in that case. And I think uh, a lot of times we put off, we put off, we put off where we should have done by now. We should have responded to the Lord by now. I'm, I'm old enough in my Christianity. I've been saved long enough to be doing this by now. Not having to be taught over and over again. And I think that's what's referred to in Hebrews 6 where it says leaving the, the first principles of the doctrines of Christ. Not having to go over and over again baptism and laying on of hands and so forth. 
uh, but that we would move on to deeper things. Those things are still there and they're foundations of our faith, but we ought to be taking new ground, right? And you need to examine your own life in Christ. And I need to as well. And I would say as a church body, where we are as a church, this isn't a condemnation. It's not a fussing. It's the fact that we need to keep stirring ourselves up, not only to say amen to God, but to respond to what He's leading us to do individually and as a body. And uh, so many times that, that what happens, I believe, is that God speaks to us and we know it to be His will. And for whatever reason, we kind of kick the can down the road. And what happens, y'all? You know what happens. What happens? The, the, the urgency of that thing, if you want to call it that, the freshness of that fire or that conviction of the Holy Spirit. God hasn't changed. His Word hasn't changed. What He spoke hasn't changed. It's just as true tomorrow, a week from now, or a month or a year from now. But the urgency in my heart has faded. Don't you find that to be true? That's human instinct. It's natural. Can God rekindle it? Absolutely. But the point is it can fade from us, the urgency of it. And I've heard a saying when it's all been said and done, there will be a whole lot more said than done. And I believe that as well. A lot of talk, a lot of big talk, a lot of big plans. You know, we pick on politicians for doing it and they don't get one one hundredth done what they promise they're going to do when they want your vote. Um, but in the people of God, we ought to let our yay be yay and our nay be nay. We ought to walk in that truth and that simplicity. He's not going to put on you more than you can handle through His strength. But we need to respond to yes. And then when we say yes and we do, it might be a simple little thing. I want you getting up 30 minutes earlier and, and spending that time with me. You complain you don't have enough time. Uh, you, you've noticed that your prayer life's lacking. And the Lord's spoken to you. You already know it. I don't need to tell you. And, and it's lacking in some intimacy and with the Lord is lacking or your study of God's Word. And He says, get up 30 minutes earlier and start doing that. And what if we don't? Are we still His child? We're His child, but He's, gonna, he's going to deal with us. And I would say until we do that, but we ask Him to do it. We ask Him to... Help us in our walk with You. I want to grow, Lord. I want to forget those things that are behind and press towards the mark. And then He, he puts something on our heart and we say Amen and we agree with Him. We don't set our alarm on Monday morning 30 minutes early because we want our sleep. And we're really tired. I'll start it next week. I'll start. You know, we keep kicking the can down the road and, and it gets away from us. It gets away from us. Um, You've heard a saying before, uh, strike while the iron is hot. Have you ever heard that? That might be kind of an old-timey saying, but that, that would be from a, like a blacksmith that's making things. You know, he's, he's heating the, the iron in the fire until it gets red hot. To where it's, to the, it's the temperature where it can, be, it can be bended. and You know, bent and shaped and formed and fashioned and hammered. If it's just cold steel, he can bang on it all day. He's not going to make up you know, uh, horseshoe out of it. He's not going to do it. And so he's got to get it hot and he works on a little while, then he reheats it and works on a little while. Well, it's very similar to our lives as Christians. The Lord heats us up and we get fervent in worship or in prayer or in our prayer language, praying and calling out to the Lord. Our, and, and it's while He's convicting us and that's when we need to respond. That's when we need to hit the altars if He's leading us to hit the altars. That's when I need to go, uh, maybe just give me a sermon. I need to not, to, well, I'll try to remember. I've learned this myself even as a pastor. And just when God's speaking to me something about a sermon, even if I wasn't praying about a sermon right then, I better shut everything, go down, you know, shut down and go back and pull out my old, you know, legal pad and start jotting this stuff down while he's speaking to me and while I'm thinking of it. And, and it's just very important that we strike while the iron is hot, because when it cools down, it's a whole lot harder or impossible to bend. Can God reheat us? Absolutely. Thank the Lord He can. But He's heating us for a reason. Every time He heats me, every time He convicts me, every time He moves me to tears uh, or to whatever it may be, He's doing that <clears throat> for a reason. And so uh, timing is very important. Timing is very important with the Lord. Um, 
the truth that's set forth in scriptures when God speaks it to us. Um, we see this over and over again when God speaks. That's the time to respond. That is the time to respond. Call on the Lord while he may be found. Well, that sounds funny. Can he be found anytime? Well, he can be, but you know what? We might not want to look for him if we put it off today. We'll get real enamored or tangled up in the world. Kind of like what Eric was talking about uh, before communion. We'll pursue after other things. And while he's dealing with my heart, that's when I need to say, Amen. And what is it, Lord? What are you saying to me? And then give me the strength to do it. And go right on ahead and do it. Let him move you all the way over into doing it. Timing is very, very important when it comes to obedience to the will of God. You and I, 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 I'll speak for myself. I can't speak for you. I have delayed before. Uh, it seems like we've dragged our feet. You know, we're lollygagging, whatever, in, in our relationship with God. When He has spoken to us, I've delayed. I've procrastinated. And, uh, and it gets bias. The, like I said, the urgency of it. It's not that the Lord's changed or His Word or will has changed. The, the urgency in my heart to do it. The freshness, the clarity of the vision. I've seen it really clear now. I know just what to do. God showed me 1 through 10. Here's what I need to do with my life right now. And I kind of kick the can down the road and then it gets foggy and it gets hazy and it's not as urgent. Maybe that was just me. Maybe that wasn't really God in the first place. And we forget it, right? We forget and it gets by us. And so... God is merciful, and when we realize it, and we say, God, I delayed, I procrastinated, I didn't do your will, I agreed with it, but I didn't do it. Would you forgive me? I confess it as sin. He'll always forgive that. And because God is so gracious and merciful, He might bring back the exact, that exact opportunity. In other words, let's say He was telling you to go, today I want you to go knock on every door on your block or on your street. And whoever's home, I want you to tell them the Lord loves them. And, you know, share the gospel with them if they'll listen. And we didn't do it. God can bring back those opportunities because He's God. The exact same fire, the exact same opportunity. But sometimes, I'll be honest, the opportunity does pass. That opportunity passed. Not my walk with God is over. God, forgive me. I, I should have done it when you told me I didn't. Forgive me. He'll forgive me. But that opportunity might be gone. That might be one that I missed out on. That God got somebody else to do it. You know what I mean? Somebody that was ready and willing and able at that moment to do it. And it could have been a blessing to my life that I missed out on. He can bring it back, but sometimes those opportunities are gone. I want you to turn with me, if you would, in your Bibles. And I want to look at something like this. We're just looking at this scripture, Numbers chapter 14, Numbers 14, about the importance of. Timely obedience to God. Timely obedience to the Lord. I wish I had time to read the whole story because it's an amazing story in the Bible. But in chapter 13, um, you know, probably just after a few months, we're, we're reading Numbers 14 here, uh, after probably few, several weeks to a few months, the children of Israel had come out of Egypt, crossed the wilderness, and gotten to the brink of the promised land that God wanted to bring them into. That was not a whole long period of time. Let's say maybe a couple of months. Alright? So they're there and Moses uh, at the Lord's leading sends in 12 spies to spy out the land to see is it as good as God said. Of course it was. And you know, one from each tribe and they went for 30 days I think and spied out the land and came back. And you know the story, right? Joshua and Caleb said, it's awesome. They all said, it's awesome. Here's some of the grapes. Here's some of the fruit. There's water everywhere. It's flowing with milk and honey. It's just like God said. We know the passage, right? The story. And, but, ten of the, but on top of that, ten of the spies came back and brought an evil report. What was evil was their unbelief. And the Bible speaks of an evil heart of unbelief. Because you know what? We ought to believe God. It's a slight on his character if I don't believe everything he's told me. Now, as impossible as it may look or appear, he's going to be faithful. He's going to do it. 
And so they brought an evil report and said, there's giants in the land, we can't take it. Then they, it caused the hearts of the people to melt. Um, they start curse, you know, complaining, murmuring, so much so that they're saying, wish we had just died in Egypt. I mean, what a change. Just in, in that one report, they're right on the brink of it. It's there. They can look across the river. Those that didn't go across the, you know, the Jordan and see it's there. The spies said, yep, it's, it's amazing. It's like, it's like God said it would be. And how it changed because of the evil report. It brought fear into their hearts. It brought complaining and grumbling and murmuring. They wanted to go back. And Joshua and Caleb tried to still the people. No, 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 no. Calm down, calm down. God's got this. He's got it. The Lord's with us. We're well able, they said, to take the land. We can easily take it. Why? Not because we're something special. We can easily take it because God's with us and against them. And so this is what they were looking at. And I don't have time to read it all. Let's look at, let me see, verse 35. The Lord said, I, the Lord, have said, I will surely do it unto all this evil congregation. So he pronounced a judgment on them that they were not going to enter in. He wasn't changing his mind. He said this whole generation that's complained and hasn't believed me, they're going to die in the wilderness. They're not going to set foot in the promised land. They did not. Joshua and Caleb would, and that younger generation of children who didn't know really any better, they would grow up and enter the, in the promised land 40 years later. All right? But he says, I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it unto all this evil congregation that are gathered together against me. In this wilderness, they shall be consumed, and there they shall die. Not in the promised land, but in the wilderness. All right? Verse 38. But Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb the son of Jephunneh, which were of the men that went to search the land, lived still. They weren't going to die like the rest. We'll keep reading. And Moses told the sayings unto all the children of Israel, and the people mourned greatly. Now they're having great remorse. It's not a repentance. It's a remorse. Now they're really bummed out, and, and the weight of it has hit them. Really? We're really going to die out here in this wilderness? We really messed up bad. It doesn't mean they couldn't go to heaven. It doesn't mean they couldn't get their relationship right with God. But he told them that they were going to die in the wilderness and be consumed there. All right? And now they're going to, they mourn greatly. They rose up early in the morning and, and got them up into the top of the mountain, saying, Lo, we be here, and we will go up into the place which the Lord hath promised, for we have sinned. So they're saying a lot of pretty good things. You know, we've sinned. Well, they're right about that. And they're saying, we're going to go into the promised land and we're going to go take it. Moses said, wherefore now do you transgress the commandment of the Lord? But it shall not prosper. Go not up, for the Lord is not among you, that ye be not smitten before your enemies. For the Amalekites and the Canaanites are there before you, and you shall fall by the, by the sword. Because you are turned away from the Lord, therefore the Lord will not be with you. He wouldn't be with them in this thing, in this, what they imagine to do now. Okay? But they presumed to go up unto the hill, hilltop. Nevertheless, the ark of the covenant of the Lord and Moses departed not out of the camp. Then the Amalekites came down and the Canaanites which dwelt in that hill and smote them and discomfited them even unto Hormah. And I'm just going to stop there. There's a whole lot we could read in the, into that and talk about from that and sermons that could be preached just from that. But for our purpose today, we're talking about doing what God has said and the timing of it being so important. Now they're going to go take the promised land, but it says they did it presumptuously. The Lord wasn't among them. They should have had that mindset and attitude a day before. Okay, or whenever that was that God was dealing with them. And then they tried to do it now. Even Moses told them because he was kind, don't do it, God's not among you. It's not going to prosper. Why will you now do it? It's not going to prosper. They presumed to do it and they went and did it and they got defeated. I don't know how many died in that occasion, but they, got, they fell before their enemies. And so timing in our obedience to the Lord is very important. Um, 
and when God has spoken to us, to your heart, to my heart, that is when you and I are to respond. All right, and we're to respond to him and we have every other voice and every other influence uh, subject to the Lord speaking to me. I know it sounds like a simple thing as well. There's a lot of voices that speak to us. We talk about it all the time. There's Satan, okay? There's demonic spirits. There's just this world that doesn't know its left hand from its right hand. There's your own carnality, your own human you know, humanity. You have a mind and a spirit. And then there's the Holy Spirit and, and the, the captain of our salvation, the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, let Him be captain and put all those others. And when He speaks, then everything else, even I have these other things telling me, don't do that or do something different from that or do it later than that. Whatever those other influencers are saying needs to be subject to and hushed and silenced to, to obey the Lord and what He's telling me to do and when He's telling me to do it. He is my God. He is my Savior. He is the captain of my salvation. The captain, now the Lord knew this beforehand, but He was going to bring them right on into the promised land. But they died in the wilderness in an evil heart of unbelief. They didn't respond as God led them to respond in that. And so, uh, I just want to read this Scripture. And I was, I was reading this, as a family, we were praying and reading the Bible last night, we're reading through the Psalms. We got to Psalm 78, which gives an, a, a, like a historical recount of Israel coming out of Egypt and their wanderings in the wilderness. And it says that God gave the law to Israel, for example, that they might set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep His commandments. And so there's a forgetting versus the keeping setting their hope in God. And when we delay and we procrastinate and we put things off, the fire goes down, the intensity goes down, the freshness goes down. It does. You know it does. It's the same in my life. And we get to a point like Israel did where they forget the Lord. It's not far between forgetting and forsaking. It's a close little <coughs> run there for forgetting the goodness of God, the works of God, uh, his blood that was shed for us. Don't ever let this gospel or taking communion, for example, get old to you. You make sure that it doesn't. You get with the Lord and you thank Him and you let you let you tarry with the Lord until you're moved with that message again. You understand what I'm saying? It's not far from forgetting to for, forsaking. And the children of Israel forgot the goodness of God, His mercy, His works that He showed them, and they began to forsake the Lord. And, and when we don't strike when the iron's hot, when we don't move when God is telling us to move, then we can, we can have a real danger in forgetting. And we do. I've probably forgotten more things than I've remembered that God has spoken to me in my life. I'm ashamed to say that, but wouldn't it be wonderful to be like young Samuel where it says of Samuel that he did not let any of God's words fall to the ground. So here's God. Just picture it. Just picture it like manna falling or a rain. And it's specifically God's words coming from heaven to Samuel. And every drop that came, he caught it. None of it hit the ground. It stopped with him. He got it. He laid hold on it. He let none of God's word fall to the ground. How much of God's Word have I let fall to the ground? I said, Amen. That was awesome, brother. That was wonderful. I agreed with that. I amen it. But it got away from me. I didn't seal it in my heart or let the Holy Spirit seal it in my heart through faith or by asking God to do it or by obedience to what God showed me. And it gets away from us. And God can repeat it and bring it back, but it gets harder and harder, I believe. And just conversely, the more that we would receive it, the easier it gets, the fresher it is. The easier it's going to be for you to obey the Lord the next time if you'll obey the Lord now. The next time He tells you to go witness to a complete stranger, well, I've done it 15 times already. He's, I know He's going to help me this time. You still, your heart's beating a little fast, but it's a little easier, okay? Obedience makes it that way. And so, yes, there are times that we're to wait on the Lord without question. Spend our, a lot of time waiting on the Lord. But I'm talking about once you know it's God's will. Yes, there's a wisdom in a multitude of counselors. But I'm talking about once you know that it's God's will. You don't have to question it. And I don't have to question it. I need to obey. 
I need to respond to the Lord in that thing. We respond by His grace. We respond by His power and His might. We don't say, okay, God, I've got it. You sit tight. I'm going to go do everything you told me to do. Never. Okay? We are responding by His Spirit that works within us and so forth. But it's still a, a responding in a timely fashion. We delay. We procrastinate. We, uh, we deliberate. We mull it over. And you know that a man or a woman can procrastinate their life away. We can. We can procrastinate our life away. And then we're there at the end of our lives. And we didn't, like, the, like they said, the harvest is come, summer's over, and we're still not saved. I know that, that was speaking about something else. But that, that can pass us by. It can get away from us. And I wanted to just read this about procrastination. It's almost like a little poem. Now this is dealing primarily or obviously with a lost man not wanting to give their life to Christ or not, not doing it. And this, this is a little poem. It says, Tomorrow he promised his conscience. Tomorrow I mean to believe. Tomorrow I'll think as I ought to. Tomorrow my Savior receive. Tomorrow I'll conquer the habits that hold me from heaven away. And never and ever his conscience repeated one word and one only today. Tomorrow, 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 thus day after day it went on. Tomorrow, 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 till youth with its vision was gone. Till age and his passion had written the message of fate on his brow. And forth from the shadows came death with the pitiless syllable, now. It was time, it was now. He kept putting it off, putting it off, putting it off. And then death was there and he hadn't done it. Okay, now that's speaking of salvation. But as a child of God, can't you and I do the same thing? We're saved. It's not a question of going to heaven. But the vision that he gave me for my life, the call of God upon my life, and I'm still inactive. I'm still in neutral back here. And time is passing. We've talked about God restoring the years the canker worm has eaten, and He can do that. It's an amazing thing, and that's a mystery. I don't fully understand it. But I will say this. We don't want to get to the end of our life when God's calling me home, or certainly to the judgment seat of Christ, and I did not do what God called me to do. As a believer, He's going to welcome me with open arms. My name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life. There still might be much undone that I should have done. There was a, a, a true story I read. I don't even know the setting or the, the era, but there was a woman that had committed a crime and she knew she was guilty. And all her friends said, you better get a good lawyer. And here they gave the name of a good lawyer. And she had the name and phone number written down. And she stuck it in her pocket and brought it home. And, and the court date was set for months and months down the road. And she kept saying, well, tomorrow I'm going to call him. Tomorrow, tomorrow I'll call him. I'll get around to it. And all of a sudden she didn't realize, but the court date was like tomorrow. And she had never contacted this lawyer. So she hurries up to go see him and contact him. And she, he said, I would have certainly been glad to take your case if you'd let me know earlier. But I've actually been appointed judge of your case. I've been promoted to being judge. And so instead of, instead of having an advocate which would have been on her side, a lawyer, she now had to face him as judge. And I just think it's interesting. We put things off. that She knew it was right. She knew she should have done it. She agreed with it. That it would be for her own benefit. And yet she put it off, put it off, put it off until it came a place where it was too late. And it's like the sluggard that's spoken of in the, in the Proverbs. You know, he just turns over on his bed like, like a door on its hinges. And he says, uh, oh, there's a lion in the street. I uh, can't get out and go do any business or work today. I heard there's a lion out there. Or he says, it's too cold, so I can't do the harvest today. Or it's too hot. And he's always finding a reason. He knows he should harvest his crops, but he's always finding the reason not to. And God wants us to sometimes roll up our sleeves, get filled with the Holy Ghost, Okay, let that vision be clear and on fire in our hearts and minds. We see it clear as a bell. You know what I'm talking about when he's spoken to you and you see it real clearly and you're not confused. I want you to do A, B, and C. Buck, here's what I've got for your life. I want you to do A, B, and C. And you see it as clear as a bell. You know what we should do? We should go do A, B, and C. 
as God is leading us and helping us to do it. Because we'll kick it. I'm so busy right now. Thank you, Lord, for showing me that. I agree with you. And we get caught up in something else. And now we forgot what B was again. You know? Kind of remember A and C. And we just, it's just the way that it is. So we had to get back with the Lord. Bring it back to remembrance. Help me if that's past. But if it's current things and future things, let's respond to the Lord as He's leading us to and do it in a timely fashion. Uh, when God graciously speaks to our lives, He really does. You know that He speaks to your heart. He speaks to you. Uh, we wouldn't be here if He didn't speak to us and tell us that Christ was the way, the truth, and the light. All right? We wouldn't be here if God didn't plant us in this, this body of believers and so forth. We know He speaks to our hearts. He speaks through His Word. He speaks through sermons, through lessons, uh, through a, a brother or sister in Christ. He speaks through your private prayer. He speaks through public, our corporate prayer. He speaks through a still, small voice. And sometimes we hesitate and we delay. And I'm just praying that God would impress this on my heart as much or more than on, on your hearts. And we allow, as I said, other considerations to come in. Instead of just considering the Lord, the Bible says consider Him. At least two times in Hebrews. Consider Him. Well, if I consider Him plus I consider what you know, my friend said and what so-and-so said and what the uh, you know, economic advisor on the, the business channel said and I'm considering what everybody says, then I'm going to lose that allegiance to the Lord and that blessing. I, just, I need to put those other things aside. And I just need to listen to God. And I need to respond. And not let those other considerations uh, <clears throat> move me off of what I know to be God's will. And I'm just going to read this. If you want to turn there, you can. But for time's sake, I'm going to read from Exodus 14, 14 through 18. Uh, it might be 13. I think it's 13. But anyway, I have it written down. 14, 14 through 18. The Lord shall fight for you, and you shall hold your peace. And the Lord said unto Moses, this is when they're pent between Pharaoh's army and the Red Sea. The Lord says to Moses, Wherefore criest thou unto me? Speak unto the children of Israel that they go forward. Do you think timing was important with that? The Lord says to Moses, Why are you just crying out to me? The Lord's, I'm going to fight for you. Speak to the children of Israel that they go forward. Or forward is into a sea. Okay? Behind them is, a, is an army of Egyptians. But God, don't take any other consideration. Don't listen to any other voice, any other influence, including and most of all, your own human rationale. Speak to the children of Israel, Moses, that they go forward. Well, you know, it looks impossible. That's why he's the captain of my salvation. I'm going to trust you, Lord. And everybody else that's chirping in my ears, including my own self, chirping in my own ear, I'm not going to listen to that. By faith, I'm going to do it. Why do you cry to me? Speak unto the children of Israel that they go forward. But lift up thy rod. Timing was important. Lift up the rod, the staff that you have. Stretch it out. Thine hand out over the sea and divide it. And the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. And he goes on, you know, talks about he's going to drown the Egyptians and so forth. But I think timing, I know timing was important in that. And you can think of many myriads of other examples of similar things like that. But that we do what God tells us to do. Don't say, thank you, Lord. Amen, Lord. But say, thank you, Lord. Amen, Lord. And then whatever He told you to do, do it. Whatever He told you to do, do it. And, and that's how He moves us. That's how He gets us from A to B spiritually. From where we are to where we really want to be. From where we are to where He wants us to be. Or we see great works done in the earth. It's not going to do... Great works for God's sake on the earth are not going to be done certainly through unbelief. And they're not going to be done through procrastination either. They're going to be through faithful obedience, timely obedience to the Lord. He takes the simple things, the base things, the weak things, the foolish things to confound the wise. He can do it. But those foolish things and weak things and base things need to say amen, amen, amen. And step out of the boat like Peter did. Take the step out of the boat and walk on the water. Don't talk about walking on the water. Walk on the water. Okay? Don't talk about parting the Red Sea. Part the Red Sea. 
Take that staff in your hand, stick it out over that Red Sea, and I'll do it. Well, he just holds a red staff and said, just do it, God. He, no, he says, I told you, stretch out your hand over the sea and the rock that's in there in your hand, and I'll do it. Uh, and it, I just thank the Lord, as I said, that when we disobey or we're, we delay our obedience, he does forgive us. But I've also thought how it must grieve his heart when his children don't obey him. We don't trust him. I don't think he had any pleasure in the Israelites dying in the wilderness because when they sent the spies, you know, that they refused to believe him. It must grieve the Lord's heart when his people, who he has shown and proved his faithfulness to, don't respond and don't respond quickly. Just right away. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Jesus said in Luke 6.46, And why call you me Lord, Lord, and do not the things that I say? I mean, that just smites your heart, doesn't it? Because that's not just the lost people that were running up to Him. That's to me. That's to Randy. Many times, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and all your songs and your sermons and everything, and many times you don't do what I tell you to do? You call me Lord, Lord, but you don't do it. We started with that Scripture in Matthew 7 about uh, not everyone that says Lord, Lord unto me is going to enter the, king, the gates of heaven or the kingdom of heaven. And he that does the will of the Father which is in heaven is the doing, not the saying only. And, and uh, I want you to look at this Scripture. I want you to turn with me. We're going to be bringing this uh, to a close here. But look at Ezekiel chapter 30. I, I refer to this often. Go to it often. Because it's so, uh, I don't know, it's so striking and clear to me. Ezekiel is, is the prophet of the Lord during the captivity. <coughs> Ezekiel 33, I'm sorry, Ezekiel 33, verse 30. And he's prophesying to Israel. And here's the response of the people. Ezekiel 33.30 Also thou son of man, so God's speaking to Ezekiel, the children of thy people still are talking against thee by the walls and in the doors of the houses and speak one to another, every one to his brother, saying, Come, I pray you, and hear what is the word that cometh from the Lord. Now that sounds like a good thing, doesn't it? The people of Israel, even in their captivity, are saying, let's go listen to Ezekiel and hear what the word that's coming from God. Well, that's a good thing. We've come this morning to hear the word of God and so forth. That's what they say. And they come unto thee as the people cometh, and they sit before thee as my people, and they hear thy words, but they will not do them. For with their mouth they show much love, but their heart goeth after their covetousness. And what a difference between their mouth and their heart, right? Their mouth and their heart. What are they saying? They're saying in those first few little scriptures, they're saying all the right things. They appeared very godly. If you just had heard somebody say, let's go hear what the prophet has to say, what the word of the Lord is. And then you watched him and they went. And they sat down obediently before the prophet. And they listened and they heard what the prophet said. You would think they're true, sincere God seekers, right? They're really wanting to know the Lord, to humble themselves before the Lord and to, to do his will. But he says they come before you like my people come and they sit before you like my people sit. And they, they listen to the word of God, which was the true word of God spoken through Ezekiel, like my pe people listen <laughs> But they hear, hear the words, but they will not. Will. The will is involved. They will not do them. They will not obey what I'm telling them through you, Ezekiel. And he says, And thou art unto them as a very lovely song of one that hath a pleasant voice and can play well on an instrument. For they hear thy words, and they do them not. And when this cometh to pass, and lo, it will come, then shall they know that a prophet hath been, hath been among them. And so what do we see? We see saying one thing, but no intention. There was never the intent in their heart to do what God told them to do. Never. They want to go like you and I would go uh, 
watch a football game that we're really interested in. Or this guy's got an amazing voice, or he can play the piano or the guitar, incredible. I'm going to go hear him. That's how they went to Ezekiel, with no, never the intent or will to do what God was saying to them. That's not going to prosper anybody. It did not prosper these people. I don't want to be that way. We don't want to be that way. They appeared to be true uh, God-seekers and so forth, but they were not at all. Jesus said, but what think ye? A certain man had two sons. He came to the first and said, Son, go work today in my vineyard. He answered and said, I will not. So the son says, I will not. But afterwards, guess what? He repented. And he went. He came to the second and said likewise. And he answered and said, I go, sir. I'm go work in your vineyard right now. And he went not. Whether of the, of the two did the will of the father. They said unto him the first. Jesus <clears throat> said unto them, you know, tr- truly you're right. You know, I'm just paraphrasing. But the point is, we could say, the second son said, yeah, I'll go work, dad. I'm go work right now. And when dad left, the son didn't go into the vineyard. I want to be that one that God can count on. I have to totally count on God. That goes without saying. But I want to be a servant that's a faithful servant. Like I described that dog that's looking up and when God says, and I see his hand move, that I could be like Isaiah and say, here am I, uh, is it Isaiah, here am I, send me, Lord. And I'll go. I'll go. I want to be that one that's ready and ready in a timely fashion. Not to say amen, that was beautiful. Thank you, God, I needed that. But to say, yes, I needed that, and I'm going to do what you've told me to do. Would you help me, God? He's already two steps ahead of you. He's already helping you. He wants us to go. He wants us to respond. And, and I want to, to do that not in delaying. You know, somebody said a king's invitation is not to be answered, it's to be obeyed. The king invites you to something, you show up. You know what I mean? It's not to be answered like I might come or I'll, yes, I'll come. No, it just, it's to be obeyed. You show up and you're there. And I'm gonna, I just want to close with uh, one passage of Scripture. And then William can, uh, I believe he's going to be doing the altar today. But turn to John chapter 14. I know this is a very simple message. To me, it's a couple of things. It's about obedience to the will of God. When he speaks, he's speaking to my heart for a reason. It's not just for a warm, fuzzy feeling, even from the Holy Spirit, to come over me for a while and then fade. If he's speaking to my heart about something He has for my life, He wants me to lay hold on it. To lay hold on it and not let go. Okay? Not, nobody's going to rip this out of my hands. God showed me. He's not going to rip it out of my mind, out of my heart, out of my future, out of my vision. I'm laying hold on what God I know to be the will of God. And that we do that in a timely <coughs> manner. That we do strike while the iron's hot, while I'm moldable, while I'm my heart's soft, while I'm not listening to other voices, while the voice of God is so clear to me, and my heart is so burdened with His burden. It's like we're one and the same on this thing, and I'm burdened. That's when I want to respond, and that's when He wants you to respond. Amen. William, you can come on up, but I want to read this. If you can turn, but the altars are open. If you just want to listen to me, read it and go on and start praying. You can do it. But I want to read this from John 14, 21 and then we'll skip down. This is the same chapter where He said, in my Father's house are many mansions. This is the same chapter where He made a promise of the coming of the Holy Spirit. This is the same chapter where He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And I'm going to leave, but I'm not going to leave you comfortless. Talking about His, his crucifixion and ascension. And it says in verse 21, He that hath my commandments. Okay, having, having them is not the only, uh, the whole deal. He that has my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loves me. And he that loves me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. Is there not great blessing for not only having God's commandment, but keeping them? Not saying, oh, I know the commandments of God. I know my Bible really well. I could teach you on the fruit of the Spirit. 
You know what I mean? Or I could teach through the book of Romans and I can differentiate on the law and works and grace and we know it all. Uh, but to keep the commandments of God, he that has my commandments and keeps them. The Lord put a big emphasis on that, didn't he? Because he says, that's the man that loves me. He that has my commandments and keeps them. And in return, of course, our God already loves us. But we're going to experience his love because he's going to love us. And we're going to know he loves us. And I'm going to come and dwell with you. My Father and I are going to come to you. Keep reading down to verse 23. Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words. And my Father will love him. See, if he loves me, how many people say I love God? How many in this room say I love God? I do. We ought to say we love God. But he says, he that, he that had, Jesus says, if a man loves me, he will keep or obey my words. And my Father will love him. And we will come unto him and make our abode with him. He that loveth me not keepeth not my sayings. Doesn't say he doesn't have the word of God. He doesn't keep the word of God. And the word which ye hear is not mine, but the Father which sent me. So y'all, I want to encourage you. I talked about it, and I believe we're going to be talking a lot about it, about the altar. And we have a physical, you know, wooden place up here, but and it's a wonderful place to come. But an altar to meet with God where we take, where we sacrifice, and we surrender to the Lord. An altar was a place of death. It was a place of sacrificing to the Lord. But we're to give ourselves, our bodies, as a living sacrifice to the Lord. The altar is not just for somebody that needs to be saved, although it would include that. The altar is for, and it's not just for the backslider coming back. The altar, to, to, I believe, is for the, the man or the woman of God to say amen to that word that was just spoken and say, I want this to be part of my life. I'm laying down myself and I'm taking up my cross and following you. You know, and in place, give me your fire, give me your spirit, wash me in your blood. So these altars are open. And I don't always do this, but I wrote a little prayer that I believe the Lord gave me for us. Very short, but as we're praying, oh Lord, help us to obey you quickly. When you've spoken to us, help us not only to know your will, but to do your will. Lord, forgive us and forgive me for the times we've put off doing what you've called us to do. And Lord, please bring back to our hearts and minds the things that we've forgotten to obey. Bring back the opportunities and the fire of the Holy Ghost and cause us to faithfully and joyfully do your will. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord.